0: Hello friends and a warm welcome to the Slow Living Collective. This is a podcast about slowing down, living seasonally and embracing an intentional life. So introductions, I'm Amy, I'm a 30 something mum of two, homemaker, home educator and allotment gardener and these podcasts are love notes from me, sharing the things that I sometimes need to hear myself as well. In these episodes, I'm going to delve into what it means to walk a different path, to stepping outside societal norms and embracing all the beauty that it provides. From educating our children outside of the school system, living in a small home by choice, surrounding ourselves with a life of intention instead of living a life by default. I welcome you to come on this journey with me and open your mind to maybe a different way of living. I hope you find what you're looking for within the words of these podcasts, and I hope they speak to you in your own unique way. Hey everyone, and welcome back to the Slow Living Collective. Today, I want to create this sort of extension of a conversation we had a while ago, and that is about being a homemaker, and more accurately, a modern homemaker. Homemaking isn't new, not at all. But homemaking is—is—is is, is it making a comeback? I don't know. We live in this such a polarized world, and slowing down and simplifying seem like—I know—people that want to do it seem like they're almost a little bit different. When it's just normal, it's just normal. It's what the human condition is about. So. Today I want to delve into more about being a modern homemaker, what it means for me. Now some of this is going to be similar to the previous podcast about homemaking but I'm going to go into so much more detail. The other one was just a very short I think like 10-15 minutes and I'm going to make this one quite a bit longer. So I hope you stay around for the conversation. I guess that provides a great segue into today's podcast topic which I want to talk about being a homemaker and I guess just sort of generally chat about the things that I am noticing changing in my life, coming up in my life and you know where I started, where I am now and everything in between. So homemaking, let's get going. Okay, so this week's topic homemaking and why the work we do at home is our most important work. But let me preface this with something though, just to ensure we're all on the same page before we start. Whether you choose or are required to work outside the home or from home, whether your choice is homemaking or to stay at home with your children, all of our choices are valid. They are absolutely valid and I don't ever want to come across like I am siding one way or the other. I appreciate I I come to this topic with a fair amount of privilege as well. So I just wanted to say that before we got started. So let's get going. I didn't really know that I wanted to be a homemaker. I mean, I guess I did in a sense, but I didn't really think about it too much. But when I was younger, I always had this idea you know, I guess the perfect idea, quote-unquote perfect, in my mind that when I grew up I wanted to get married and I wanted to have children and I never really thought too in-depth about having children, just that I wanted to have them I guess. It wasn't until I met my husband and, you know, our relationship progressed, we got married, that, you know, we we started talking about what our family might look like. And we always agreed that we we just wanted one child and we were happy with that idea. But it's funny, isn't it? Because, you know, we always said we would have one child and one cat. That was always our thing. We always laughed about it. And we got our cat long before we had children. And then we had our first child and, you know, we... We're so happy with you know our daughter and it was a funny time as well because as she turned a year the pandemic was just kicking off and you know that changed a lot of our thinking in a lot of ways and it was me who first said that I was having these feelings that maybe our family wasn't complete and it was completely alien to me and I didn't know where they came from. I guess to some extent, I. I did know where they came from because there was a lot, especially early in the pandemic, uh, there were family members that had some really significant health issues and I'm an only child and I have loved being an only child. I really, really have. I have amazingly good things to say about being an only child. I loved it in my childhood. You know, I loved spending time with my parents. I still love spending time with my parents now. Um, And I guess the feeling that I had was that I missed this idea of having someone else's support. And, uh, you know, when we were going through these difficult things and I, of course, I had other support. I had friends. I had family. I had my husband. But I I just that's the first time in my entire life that I'd ever felt like, oh, you know, this is difficult and to have somebody to share that with would have been nice and having siblings doesn't ever mean that and um, I-, I still maintain that even as a mother of two like having s- having two children three children multiple however or being an only child they don't make any difference because siblings don't necessarily equal you know support or friendship you know many families are estranged and so it doesn't necessarily mean that but I I feel like it was that point that kicked off my feelings about actually do I feel like I want another child and in hindsight as well I had always felt like I wasn't done but it wasn't something that I necessarily outwardly addressed with myself And in that sense, these things sort of all then came to a head. Now, I still maintain that I am very, very happy with the fact that I am an only child. But, you know, in difficult moments, we we want for different things. And in some of those more difficult moments, you know, I felt I, I guess I felt the pressure and I felt the strain of being the only child. But I would not change my life or my childhood for the whole world. Like I said, I i guess these feelings were brought to a head, feelings that had actually been there all along. And it was really interesting to me because when I'd had my daughter and I had recovered post her birth, which on the Slow the Heck Down podcast, I'm actually uh, about, it might be live by now, I'm not sure when when these things are going to be going out, but I did a really in-depth chat with Talia about my experience, and you can listen to that over there when it's live, and it's not something I'm going to do here as well, I'm you know going to try not to double up on the two podcasts, there might be some crossovers, but probably not very often. And so when I'd recovered from everything to do with um, that, I ended up, I guess to some extent, sometimes thinking, but maybe not, really acknowledging the fact that I would think about if I had another baby, if I had another baby and you know we were like I said we were very settled in the idea that we were one and done and it just wasn't a conversation and as time went on my daughter was probably she was over a year my daughter turned a year old in February 2020 obviously March 2020 the pandemic hit A lot of these issues that were going on with, I told you, within the family in regards to health were very shortly after that in the spring of 2020 through to the end of summer 2020. And that's when I guess more of those feelings started coming up. And I sort of realised that these feelings were not going away and it was probably time that i sort of looped my husband in on the the whole process so i you know i we we had a discussion we had a chat i said you know i i had these feelings i felt like our family wasn't done and which you know, in hindsight, now I can look back, now I've had a second child, I very much feel like our family is done. Um, But, you know, sometimes it's difficult to be able to understand what you're feeling at the time and, and articulate that. So I had a discussion with my husband, you know, we sort of discussed our original thoughts, how I was feeling and decided that, you know, we were okay, we were you know, we were both on the same page and happy to extend our family if that's how one of us felt. And so we went ahead and did that. (laughs) And, uh, in August, 2020, um, was when I got pregnant with my son and he was born May, 2021, the last, the last few years are just a blur that's why I'm like pausing while I try and remember dates and so we extended our family and that it didn't really change the course of what I was planning to do with my life but I guess to some extent it did as well when I had my first child I didn't know how I felt about maternity leave like when I would finish maternity leave And. I prior to having children, I worked for myself as a freelance social media brand strategist and copywriter and a lot of I wore lots of hats, basically, and I really enjoyed that. But as I was coming up to having my first child, I kind of felt like that part of my life was done. And I was happy to move on from that. And I didn't know what the other side of maternity leave would look like. But I felt very certain that I didn't want to go back to that job. I decided to take a bit of an extended maternity leave. Because, you know, working for yourself you have that option. I obviously had worked for myself for, I don't know how long it works out as, something like 12 years or something I'd worked for myself. So, you know, if you're aware but here in the UK when you take maternity leave and you're self-employed you're entitled to apply for maternity allowance which is like statutory maternity pay just different in the in the sense that you have to apply for it differently because you're not getting it through an employer and so I knew I could take maternity leave like anybody else and it's the same idea. I believe it's actually the same payment for most people. And yeah, I I took, I was able to take the nine months paid and then the three months to myself. But obviously working for yourself means you can decide when you come back to work. And so I actually finished work in late December, just before Christmas in 2018 And I didn't plan to return to any kind of work until after my daughter had turned one. So it worked out, I think, uh, about 14 plus months of maternity leave. And I didn't even know if I was going to return to work at that point. But that was the point where I thought, well, I can test the water and see how I feel. Now, incidentally, just as I decided to test the water and see how I felt about returning to any kind of work, and, and again, it's, it was on my own schedule, working for myself has always meant that you know I can dictate how I work, when I work, for how long, what, what work, what clients, what projects I'd picked up. So as it turned out, just as I returned off of maternity leave for those 14, 15 months, I stepped straight back into a world that was just shutting down because of the pandemic. So I returned, returned, quote unquote, (laughs) um, to work in March 2020, just as the rest of the world was like, well, uh, we're shutting down now. So it was an interesting time. But actually, I, like I said earlier in the episode, I didn't, I had this feeling prior to finishing up work for maternity leave that I wasn't I was done with this sort of sector of work but with the world closing down it felt like a safe option for me and so I did return to many of the same things. I had a lot of fun in the time period that I actually did work which was up until the birth of my second child my son in March 2021 and I I enjoyed getting back and doing some things that I really loved I got really into sharing my work about Pinterest and just just really engaging so much more with a different side of my work which was helping people find success themselves with things like Instagram and Pinterest and and how to use those effectively and so I did really enjoy that period of being back in work I wasn't anywhere close to working full time but like I said it was a choice of mine to to create something that really worked for myself but when I came to having a second maternity leave with my son I felt again that you know this part of my life is done and I just don't want to go back to it and in in some respects I, I didn't I felt, I guess, apprehensive because I didn't know what was on the other side of maternity leave. Did I... I had this feeling with my daughter and it could have been that because the world was closing down that I had to do something you know things weren't stable everything was up in the air you know people were losing their jobs being furloughed there was so much going on we were living in this really sort of unpredictable time that to return back to the thing that I had always had as my safety net felt just very natural but then this time round because I'd worked obviously throughout my, uh, you know, that period of time, I was again entitled to maternity allowance with my son. So that actually worked quite well for me that I did, you know, actively make that decision to go back to work because at the time I had no idea that we would have a second child. It just wasn't even on the agenda. So with my son, When that year came up that that sort of benchmark as maternity leave would be over if I worked like in a standard nine to five job. Um, it, It felt different than I guess my my it did with my first maternity leave after my first maternity leave. I sort of was very aware that this point in time had come and that I should be being more productive again. And, you know, my time with the baby was, you know, being on maternity leave with the baby had finished and, you know, thinking about what it might look like to return to some sort of work. Now, we always had this idea that I would stay home with our child slash children and any work I did would be around that. You know, we were very keen that we, you know, we didn't want that sort of return to work as some people have or want or experience. And so being home full time was always the goal. But for me, I've always felt like, oh, this, you know, I want to do something. When that point in time came with my son, uh, like I was just talking about when that year of maternity was up he turned one just carried on with life as normal after that it, it didn't feel like I needed to do anything to be productive the things that I do in my home raising my children were enough and it was really interesting to me because obviously in the the prior experience I had felt you know, like it was time to do something. But, you know, my my whole philosophy for living had changed since then as well, and and slowing down and simplifying our life. It made a huge difference because I very much believe that, you know, the world has taught us that to be a valid member of society, we always need to be productive, we need to be working, and this capitalist mindset, essentially, sense to me with all the work I'd been doing about living slower that my mindset had obviously changed a lot between the the births of my two children and I was able to understand and rationalize that I don't need to return to work and that's a very privileged statement I appreciate that it's something that I think I've touched on before that and this is how we set our life up we always wanted me to be home with our child which obviously became children. So we always wanted me to be home with our family. And it's something we set up from the word dot when we got married, when we purchased our home. These were all factors in that, that we were going to rely on just one income. And so we've always done that. And again, it's very privileged to be able to do that in this society. We do live Here, where I live in Hertfordshire, it's an expensive location, and we've made had to make some difficult decisions and tough choices to be able to implement the things that we want. But ultimately, it was what was really important to us, so we did our best to make that happen. So, in that sense, it's been a very intentional choice about the way we set up our life, the things we we do, the things we don't do, the things we purchase, the things we don't purchase, and Slow living, intentional living, simplifying, all of these things have sort of um, assisted in that, I guess. It was sort of like the natural order of things. Now, we still do fun things. We still, you know, have our subscriptions that we enjoy. We have the things that we pay out for. For example, we have a zoo membership for a local zoo for the kids um, well one of them because the other one's too young at the moment to have to pay and obviously myself as well because I'm the one that goes quite frequently and you know we we still are able to enjoy ourselves you know it's not about not having things we want but I guess it's about just sort of really analyzing like what things would be beneficial to our life and what wouldn't so we only focus our our sort of spending i guess in areas that are beneficial for example sending our daughter to forest school is an expense that we are prepared to pay for so going backwards a little bit um in this episode i obviously like like I've said, you know, had these two maternity leaves and had very different feelings when I came off of either of them. And I guess this all leads around into being a homemaker. Like I said, I didn't know I wanted to be a homemaker. And I don't know if you're going to be able to hear my cat purring, but this is podcasting life with a busy family two children a cat a husband me just busy life and you know I have to take these moments to record the podcast and if the cat's purring in it the cat is purring in it that's just the way it is there's no fancy setups here it is just me my laptop and the record button um so like I said my plan was always to stay at home um but you know, little did I know that I'd be staying at home a lot in the coming years after having a child, especially, you know, with the pandemic. With the change in our our life, our thoughts, our goals, embracing slow living and simplifying a lot more, it almost became the natural progression when I finished my maternity leave with my son, S, that I didn't look for work either, you know, outside of my my work as raising my children and taking care of our home now i should probably preface this with the fact that when i talk about taking care of our home it's not just me i am not the sole person that's doing everything within the home and it's not this designated role of amy stays home full time with the children and is therefore you know doing the hoovering the dusting the the cleaning it's not just me that does the chores as it were and just like you know just because my husband works full-time he works full-time from home just because he works full-time doesn't mean that he doesn't have any input into our life within our home in fact despite me you know being home full-time we have a very very equal share of the things that take place within our home so this isn't a situation where it's like i am subservient or anything like that it is just uh, a state of of being within our home and so we are very equal share in our chores there's no designated anything for anyone And we just get on and do the things that need doing. We pick up the slack here when someone is busy or overwhelmed, you know, if, my husband has a particularly important week at work, I will pick up more slack. If I am having a particularly busy week or difficult week, he will pick up the slack and there's no like, you know, can you do this for me? It's actually like the other person just sees that, you know, these things need to be done and it doesn't matter who does them. We are the same unit. We all have the same goals. Just as, you know, obviously I don't work for a financial um, reward, but you know the the money that comes into our home through my husband's paid work is is the money for our family and it's difficult it was a difficult adjustment for me to you know I would always refer to the money as his money because it's the money he has earned and he would always remind me it is our money you know we we have different roles sure in in what we do in a in a strict day-to-day basis but you know, he is very, um, uh, forthcoming in the idea that, you know, this is our money and it's, it's for our family and he is the one working for that financial part of our family. But my work is, is just as important. And, um, you know, while it's unpaid, it, we 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 balance each other and I'm very grateful that he has that way of thinking I know that's not everyone's way of thinking and I'm very very grateful for the the equal partnership we we have I'm just reminded that at our wedding somebody uh, very close to us in our um, family in our extended family said to us um gave us this piece of advice you often hear like and and, and I still see it today when people say, you know, like, marriage is 50-50, like, uh, encouraging you that marriage is like this 50-50 partnership. And and this person said to us, like, marriage isn't 50-50. Marriage is, a, you need to give 100% on both sides, not 50% on both sides, it's 100% on both sides. And sometimes somebody can't give their full 100% because of this, that, and the other. And, you know, we are there to buoy each other up and take the slack where it is needed and that's always stuck with me and something that i really truly believe in you know there are times when i might be struggling with my health anxiety or it's just been a hard week or you know the children have been like harder work than usual and i'm just feeling touched out and i just need some time and my husband without a you know without a second glance will will pick up that slack and you know sometimes it's on the other side and things are difficult for him, and I take up the slack. And we're very good at sort of saying what we need when we need it, the space that we need. And you know we're not perfect. We're definitely not perfect. We're or a permanent work in progress. But it's um, I, I that that I always remember that from our wedding. And. Um, It's something that's always stayed with me. There's no point in us giving 50% of ourselves each. We give 100% of ourselves and sometimes that's not possible. But, you know, we, we have this really great equal partnership. Like I said, when we first purchased this home that we live in six years ago, we planned for this moment in the future. And while we didn't know whether it would come or not, we were hopeful for it and obviously we planned that we would have just one child we have two and so grateful for that things don't always look how you plan them to look um, and that's completely okay but we built our life based on this idea which is a huge privilege like I said um, and something we are very grateful of the opportunity to do but like I also said, we worked really hard to make this a possibility. And so I'm really grateful for the decisions we made then um, so that we can have this life now. And so when I came off maternity leave in earlier this year, May this year, I guess I was afforded the freedom to follow a path when it was presented to me. And like I've already said, we were very keen for the kids to be at home and actually our goal is to home educate them long term. And so we knew that these decisions that we were making were decisions that we were making for the long haul. Me being home is a long term decision because I will be the parent at home with them through their home educating journey. Now, home education doesn't have to, or education in general, doesn't have to happen between the hours of nine and three. Home education happens around the clock all the time. It is not going to be my sole responsibility to home educate my children. It's going to be a collaborative effort between me and my husband. Will I be the one? with them most of the time monday to friday of course but that doesn't mean that his input won't be there in those moments and it also doesn't mean that they won't be learning when they're with him education happens all the time and we're very much stuck in this idea that education only can happen in a classroom so as time has gone on it has got me thinking about what my role and what life looks like for us going forward and you know things might change at some point I don't know I can't see into the future I don't have a crystal ball. For now my role is that of homemaker and it's taken me a really long time to settle down and embrace that role and I wouldn't even say I'm 100% there yet. I don't know why it's taken me so long to settle into that idea or refer to myself in that way and I guess some of it is sort of like this preconditioned idea that society forces upon us that the work within the home isn't as important as the work we do outside the home the work we do for an employer Um, and the way that we always refer to ourselves by what we do you'll go to a party or an event and people say oh what do you do and, you know, it, it, we're defined by this label of our job and it's ultimately so unimportant. The most important work we do is the work we do within our home. And I don't mean the cooking, the cleaning, the cleaning of the toilet, things like that. I mean, like, the work we, we do with our families, in our relationships, in the raising of our children. That's something that I feel really passionate about, that that is the most important work and the reason i say that i maybe don't feel 100% settled in this role of homemaker is that society often makes us feel that that work isn't valued because we don't work for money like when you work within your home whether that be making um you know doing the chores keeping the house as you want it doing you know doing diy maybe raising your children supporting the other parent or other partner who is maybe working outside the home or working for an organization then it's sometimes purported to us that you know that work isn't valued because you're not getting remunerated with with money um and you know it couldn't be further from the truth and maybe I feel that way because my work isn't valued society doesn't value the work that I do within my home it doesn't value the simple things of the chores it doesn't value the chores that my husband does they're just you know just part of everyday life that isn't valued um It's well valued within my home and by the people who really matter. But as society as a whole, these hours of unpaid work we do as husbands, wives, mothers, fathers, they aren't truly valued. Now, I understand why. Because capitalism and a capitalist society wants us to keep those cogs turning. It wants to push us back into the workplace and earning money that we can go and spend and just keep this wheel turning. It's the reason why we have a society where we are promoted you know to to buy more to work more to to just keep these things in motion and there is there's a a slow rumbling movement of people who are saying absolutely not I am not subscribing to this anymore we need we need more time my husband sent me a really good quote let me see if I can find it was it my husband was it my mum I can't even remember now I think it might have been my mum now I've said that my mum sorry mum if you're listening to this <laughs> don't know why I thought it was my husband um and it's by Dr Nicole LaPera Le- I hope I haven't butchered that um society pushes us since childhood to be in a chronic state of fight or flight Rush to school, compete for good grades, compete in sports, achieve, perform. Our nervous system needs stillness, quiet, play and creativity. We're human, not machines. And I thought that was really, really sort of important and, you know, comes into this. That more people are saying like, no, absolutely not. This society that we have created is no good. We can't just keep functioning in this high state of constant fast hustle culture we just we just can't now i'm not suggesting that we all need to rush back into the home and don our 50s housewife dress and and live that way and society likes to remind us how far we've come and we have come far That women don't have to be at home anymore, that we can be whatever we want to be. And even though largely men are still paid more than us for doing the same job, that gender pay gap continues to remind us that while things might have visibly changed, there is still a lot of work to do. And things have changed in a lot of ways, good and bad. And of course, you know, some people want to return to work after they've had children and some people want to stay home. Some people want to stay home and return to work and, you know, some people have to stay home and wish they could return to work. You know, there are so many different situations and choices out there and, and each one of them is valid and to be respected. Being a homemaker, whether you work in a job outside the home or not, is undervalued. And being a mother or father, parent, again, whether you work in a job outside the home or not, is still so undervalued in our society raising the next generation whether you are home with them full time they are in childcare, they are with grandparents whatever the situation is our work as parents to the next generation and our work within our homes as homemakers is so undervalued we still have so far to come Um, We have come far, but there's still a lot of work to be done. and, And maybe that's the whole point. We have the power now to make that decision for ourselves instead of having it forced upon us. We don't have to be defined by a job or by what we do. And we can find contentment in our home, in our family, and in the life that we constantly want to build for ourselves. I had to sit quite uncomfortably with this title of homemaker for a while because of the negative connotations that generally surround it but I I guess I am slowly able to embrace everything I love about it and people still ask me oh what is it you do or what job do you have and I know that I have only felt uncomfortable in the past because society has taught me that I only hold value in the work I undertake that is paid but I am getting more confident and able to say I stay home with the kids or I am a homemaker, I am a home educator, all of these different things. And I'm slowly, you know, building that and making that more who I am and more my identity because it is a huge part. I am and, and it's not just oh I stay home with the kids and and that's that. My work is really valuable your work is really valuable and it's important that we continue to have this conversation and ensure that the work we do within our homes whether it's the only work we do or whether it's part of the work we do is really important and we need to continue to have the conversation so that it becomes more recognized and more valued. For me, you know, the most important work takes place inside my own home, caring for my family, raising the next generation and instilling the values that they can take out into the world. I truly believe that that is such important work because, you know, our children are the ones that are going to change the world. And, you know, the things I teach them to be more more loving, more accepting than generations that have passed, you know, is the thing that's going to, you know, hopefully make the difference sometimes being at home full-time can be looked so down upon by our society and that we're not making a financial contribution but like I've said numerous times throughout this podcast I truly believe that the biggest contribution that we can make can be inside of the own four walls of our home and honestly whether you decide to stay home full-time or whether you work outside the home what we do inside our homes can be absolutely monumental for me, the biggest contribution I get to make is in the little people that I get to raise. Thank you so much for tuning in today's episode. I am beyond grateful to have you here. Community is so important. So I would love to chat with you over on Instagram because Instagram is kind of my jam. You can find me over on my account which is at life on plot 44 and you can also find me on the dot slow dot collective i will link all of the links in the info the show notes and everything so you can see exactly where you can find me and where My podcasting friends have always told me that podcasts live and die by their reviews. So if you're able to leave a rating or a review on this one, I would appreciate that so much. And of course, if you're able to share what I do here on your social media platforms, I would be so grateful too. In this episode, I also mentioned my podcast I do with Talia. You are welcome to come over there and join us. We talk about everything, honestly, everything. You can find us At slow the heck down pod and you can obviously search us wherever you listen to your podcasts and our podcast is called slow the heck down thank you again for tuning in and i will be back soon with another episode